Hi, I'm Chris Marie. I'm so glad you're listening. In conflict, do you ever walk on eggshells, avoid sharing your honest opinion, or even hesitate to say no? Well, no more. Susan and I created a speak up kit just for you. It's an easy to use, proven step-by-step process to find your voice and reduce your stress. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P. Hi, I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we have a special guest with us, Shonda Morales, MSW, LC, SW, which is Licensed Clinical Social Work, is on a mission to help busy moms create life balance so they can raise good kids without losing themselves. Good mission. Founder of Breathe Mama Breathe and Company, she offers group coaching programs and workshops for busy moms. As a psychotherapist, coach, and award-winning author, Shonda believes moms run the world in spite of the patriarchy, which I totally love, and that when moms thrive, children thrive, and the whole planet wins. Shonda lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and two kids, loves to play outside, endeavors to practice what she preaches, and is perennially fascinated by what makes people tick. So welcome, Shonda. I love it. Thanks. So happy to be with you. Yes. Maybe you can tell us how you even got interested in this helping busy moms thrive. (laughs) Yeah, personal experience. Usually what we teach and we write what we need to learn. So there you go. And I began with yoga, mindfulness practice, using that in my therapy practice many years ago, teaching it, and then how to integrate that once. So to back up, I have two kids and they're now 21 and 11. So I had been practicing mindfulness very faithfully when my daughter was young. And then I was pregnant with my son and my daughter's about to turn 10. And I knew from experience with the new newborn coming. There was no way I'll be meditating for a half an hour every day and doing my yoga practice. So I was like, how do I keep this in my life in a way that's sustainable? And so that is where my five-minute practices came in. I started to use them for myself to realize we don't have to sit down for a half an hour every day and do this practice. It's great if you can. There are many phases and seasons in our lives where we can't. And so how do we bring it in one minute, five minutes a day? And it really can make a huge difference. And so that is how my work with Busy Moms began and has evolved since. And I like working with women of all different seasons of lives because there are different challenges, some the same, but some definitely come and go as we move our way through. I love it. Even though in our culture now, even Busy Moms probably working remotely from home and having kids around, there's also the demand to go from one Zoom meeting to the next. And they show, their science shows that's not going to help your brain at all. So I love this idea that you're sharing about one minute, five minutes, three minute, whatever it is, pauses. Right. And it actually, in some respects, I think better than a 30 minute or one hour practice where it's only done once a day and it's done in a very restrictive situation where you, and then if you don't do it, you're more tense than when you, so I, I'm a big believer in small, steady increments may get you further if you're living in the world that we are. Maybe if you were a monk and could go away into a monastery or up (laughs) on a mountain constantly, it could work, but... Yeah, absolutely, completely. And that's the idea. It's that can we check in with ourselves a little bit in the beginning of our day to just get that barometer, that test how things are that day, and then interrupting this automatic pilot that we're on, that hamster wheel of nonstop motion that we tend to run on, especially as busy working professionals. We get up, we fly out of bed in the morning, 
morning, we have our coffee and it's a good one until we crash into bed in the evening. And I say either fall fast asleep or stare at the ceiling with insomnia. <laughs> you pick. Um, <laughs> Thinking you know. about all the things you didn't get yeah. done. <laughs> yes. Or hot flashes, depending what night sweats, depending what you're dealing with at the moment. Again, phase of life. But right. How do we interrupt this? And it really can make such a difference. So what are the, maybe you could share with our listeners, just even, I don't know, take us through a one minute piece, like what it would feel like so they can get like a test drive. Sure. So I like to use a two-pronged approach. So number one would be, and I say to to people all the time, and then to your point, Susan, you were saying about this long practice and those of us who are high achievers and type A's, it's like, this is good for me. I should probably sit down and meditate for two hours every morning. If I can't do that, then I fail. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But it's really about if bottom baseline, if all you can do is sit up in your bed and take three deep inhales and three deep exhales, you have started something. So it's about establishing a habit in the morning, three breaths to five minutes. And ideally, when you're getting started, a little bit of a guided meditation or something is really helpful. It just keeps us on track when we're learning how to do this. So check in. What's up? What's going on here today? And then I use what are called mindful breaks throughout the day, which is that interruption. It's that reminder, that pause, that we want to just drop into the moment and pull ourselves out of that automatic pilot, that hamster wheel motion. So a really helpful one is called the triangle of awareness. It's a triangle tune-in. And if you imagine a triangle and the three points of our triangle correspond to our thoughts, our body sensations, and our emotions, thoughts, body sensations, emotions. And if we can pause and check in what's here in my body right now, my, if I scan through my body really quickly, we can close our eyes, leave our eyes open. We can do this anywhere. I might notice like, whoa, my shoulders are up by my ears. I got six inches. I can drop them. I'm tight in my back or I feel pressure in my chest or I feel a lump in my throat. We notice all kinds of subtle sensations. So that's body sensations. Emotions, I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling flat. That's emotion, but it's just, I'm not feeling a whole lot of anything. Maybe I feel a little sad. Maybe I feel a little excited. Maybe I feel a little bored, anything, just, and it can be a couple of emotions. And then thoughts, where are my thoughts? I'm thinking about uh, the next meeting I have, or I'm thinking about the grocery store, this conversation I just had with a colleague. That takes practice. It's hard for some of us to distinguish between thoughts, body sensations, and emotions. But if you do that throughout the day, every day, just check in at least one, two, three times a day, you'll start to really get some great information. Some people will say, why do I even want to recognize? I didn't know I had a pain in my neck, literally, until I dropped in and started to notice it. But it is important to notice because these are the kinds of little subtle clues that will make themselves known if we don't pay attention to them. And one more thing about the triangle tune-in, it can help us catch or calm down in a moment where we're feeling stressed. We may know we're feeling stressed or we may not. And it might be a clue to be like, okay, drop my shoulders, take a breath. It can help those stressful moments, but it can also help us start to pay attention and savor these beautiful moments throughout our day. And I can be, again, on automatic pilot, walk out to my car and not even notice that the birds are chirping and the sun is shining. But if I drop it and say, well, what am I noticing right now? I feel the sun on my face and I feel the breeze and I'm hearing the birds like that is a very different moment. And if we're on the lookout for that throughout our day, it can be really beautiful. I love it. That's the Rick Hansen savoring the good. Exactly. And even we call it a three-point check, but I love the triangle imagery. That's really a nice anchor for folks to have. I first started my whole journey in this. I'm like, 
what am I thinking? What was I feeling? You know, I was so outside of myself or in my head and not, didn't have that conscious, a curious observer perspective. Doing this on a regular basis really helps develop more self-awareness, which really is developing your more prefrontal cortex, getting you out of automatic pilot. Exactly. I always say, try to have a an experimental, playful attitude with it too, because we can come and we can be so serious. I, that was totally me. And when I first started meditating and doing any of this, I was like, oh my gosh, am I getting this right? I'm doing it wrong. Versus, you know, wow, look at that. And almost be amused with ourselves if we can in a loving way, in a kind way. So definitely just trying to have fun with it and experiment. Yeah. And I really like what, when I've worked more with people is trying to find like sitting up in bed. So that's a habit I already do. I wake up. So now I can add on sitting in bed, three breaths and check in, like anchoring it to things that I, when I brush my teeth or every time I get up to get a cup of coffee or whatever it is, like things that I'm doing link the check-in so that I, to a habit that I'm doing, so I remember to do it. Definitely. Yes, that's a way to just bring us back into the moment. I'm appreciating, and I can tell you two are on the same time <laughs> when it comes to the mindfulness idea and looking at how to come down that stress curve, because I do think that's exactly what you're talking about. And I know one of the things that I think would be interesting to talk about, because I do think once you start to get down that stress curve, one thing that happens for women in situations where they're at work or whatever a common thing they don't deal with is their anger. And mm. even though you can, I think a lot of times people think, okay, this mindfulness will help me not have to mm. settle or be calmer. But then there's the whole idea of you also have to speak up. And that sometimes may not be in a soft little pleasant voice. <laughs> it may, yeah. you know, and women are not given the same, I don't think, the same permission to be in that if a woman gets really upset, that's considered she's a bitch or she's horrible or whatever. Too aggressive. And mastermind, yeah. But there's also that place of how to help women get to, this is actually a really healthy, it's just energy that you need to have some access to and be able to express, whether it's with your kids, whether it's at work, because children only see nice and light, you know, call mom. Hmm. That's what they should be, especially if they're a little girl or, the you know, and it's yeah. like, what, and how do you address that? Because I'm assuming you do since you work with moms and busy moms. But. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And it's a great point because part of this is calming ourselves down if we need to be calmed down. But I teach a lot about life balance. Now, sometimes you know, that does not mean we are calm all the time because it means as best we can, we're in this relatively calm state. That's ideal because then, like you're saying, our prefrontal cortex can work more efficiently. But then it's, okay, great, now, but now what? What's needed? And it's part of recognizing, part of this is first recognizing, I talk about, I have three types of mindful breaks. There are breathe breaks, becoming breaks, and balance breaks. So the breathe are for when we need to calm down and have this insight, a triangle is, the triangle tune in is a great example of that. And then there are becoming breaks, which is, okay, I need a little confidence. I need a little assertiveness. I have a new role at work and I'm feeling imposter syndrome. How do I boost this? That's Those are those kinds of practices. And then of course, balance are what they sound like. When I feel like things are sort of out of balance, how do I get a little bit more toward center? And I think a lot in terms of of continuums so that we try to get more towards center, knowing where we are, which the insight and awareness comes from knowing ourselves, learning about ourselves. We may be risk takers and then we need to move a little bit more toward being cautious and pausing before we act, or we may be risk averse. And so we need to push ourselves out of our comfort zone on a regular basis. 
But to your point, Susan, we I have a mindful break called un, Unmute Yourself. And this came to me before COVID. So I was working with a woman who worked in corporate and she had all these Zoom meetings and kind of conference calls before we were doing, everyone was doing it. And she was frustrated. She had been at this position for a while. She was talking with her mentor and she said, I don't understand. I'm not getting pulled into these projects I want to be working on and I'm just feeling stuck. And her mentor said, you know what, Beth, you are bright. You have so many great ideas. You don't speak up in meetings though. She said, all right, I'm going to start doing this on a regular basis. So she promised herself each meeting, she would press the unmute button and speak up. She said, my mouth went dry, my palms were sweaty and I was, heart was pounding, but I made myself contribute every time. And over time, of course, we know this is exposure therapy. It got easier. She was less stressed each time. And over time, she was starting to be pulled in, seen as a voice that needed to be heard, and she was given a promotion. And so noticing, and some of us mute ourselves, we don't mute ourselves at work. We're great at work. We're very assertive. And sometimes we mute ourselves in our personal lives. So it's knowing, again, yourself, your patterns, where can you recognize that you are holding back, muting yourself, your personality. And to your point, we're conditioned as women to do this often. And can we speak up in a way that is assertive, that is kind, but firm, holding those boundaries, taking care of ourselves, which if we're uncomfortable with it, as we know, it feels bitchy doing it because it feels so uncomfortable. You know, you're just, I have to tell people all the time, women, especially that I work with, I promise you're not being a bitch right now. This really sounds perfectly fine. It feels aggressive to you, but it's not. Right. Well, I, and maybe, and this may just because of my nature, but I also am like, it's not a bad to be a bitch <laughs> and ask people, what are they? I often think when someone says that to me, so how do you feel about bitches? Because it's not necessarily, some people really like somebody who's straight, assertive, and strong. So it doesn't, you have to I guess it out. depends on your definition of bitch. Because <laughs> exactly. I think that's, I call that a badass. I think a bitch would be like, you're mean. And you know, we don't have to be mean. We can be very assertive and very badass without being mean. I'm not about mean. Yeah. I, you know, probably because I'm a dog fan. I don't really mind the word bitch as much. <laughs> you. Okay. Saying, Shauna, about the, and so the unmute break was probably one of your becoming breaks. Is that true in that? That's category? right. That's right. Yep. So that's her just speaking up. Is there, is there another kind of thing when somebody's having that confidence issue and encouraging them to believe in themselves? Sure. So I would say we all have what are called ego states which is how we act in our different areas and roles in our lives. So it's all us. We're not being fake. But how I am with my 11-year-old is different from how I am with my 20-year-old sometimes versus my colleagues versus my client. It's all me, but it might look different. Where in my life, in my which ego state, do I feel confident? at ease myself. And can I take some of that and apply it? I use the example in my book of, I was not a comfortable public speaker. I am now with so much practice, but it was so hard for me to get up there in front of large groups of people. But I would take my confidence and pretend I'm in a one-on-one -on -one session with somebody. I'm coaching someone. I'm doing therapy and take that and apply that and try to just pretend I'm up there talking to this person. I can totally do that. That is easy and fun and engaging for me. It's not seamless. It's not magic, but it does help us apply a little bit of that. I love it. And letting yourself learn. I think so often people want, busy people tend to want, can you give me the magic pill? I don't have mm. to slow down. And all of this, we're dealing with our limbic system, which is like 
needs practice and repetition and trying things and learning and failing. And it's not even a straight line. Right, <laughs> right. Straight line. So I know that I'm going to be successful. Willing to repeat, I think is such, and looking, zooming out and looking at the progress I've made over a quarter, not yes. or something. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I also think just the idea, because we deal specifically around conflict and often people their first reaction is conflict is bad or whatever. Conflict is a fight. And it's actually not really. Conflict is just when the tension rises and there's a difference of an opinion, differences. And it's a huge potential spot. It, it may not ever be comfortable for you, though. Nobody really. Right. There is. It's uncomfortable to be like to have oh, the tension but inside myself or between me and this other person. That's just people can realize that state is actually something that is a healthy, natural aspect of who we are as humans, then it becomes something that they could make a different choice in versus as soon as that tension rises, trying to, I think, manage it, diffuse it, get rid of it. Please. Oh, don't do that. Stay in it. Be uncomfortable. It's like, so how do you work with women? Because I know you're a recovering people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. Conflict avoider, like me. (laughs) Maybe you could share how you work with busy women in that area. Yeah. So exactly what you were talking about. It's the more we can practice a little bit of this mindfulness, a little bit of the self-awareness and recognizing. And so it's twofold. It's allowing ourselves to relax a little bit. So recognizing, oh my gosh, my shoulders just went up. I feel this pit in my stomach. My heart's starting to race if I'm getting into this conflictual situation and taking those breaths to calm ourselves down as much as possible. So we stay out of that fight or flight state or keep under, I don't want to say under control, but managed. We do need to do that. And then to say, it's okay that it's here. This means I care. I use this with my son who plays basketball. It's get nervous, get stressed before a game. It's going to make you perform better. So it means you care. It's okay that it's here. And the other person's probably feeling it too. Can I open up to the listening, to really trying to understand. And when it becomes about the other and we're trying to collaborate and we come with that attitude, then it releases some of this feeling that discomfort or the in fight or flight, which is protective. It's there to serve us. It just can take over and not be in service any longer if we're not aware of it and managing it. For myself, yeah, as a therapist, and I could have like conflictual couples counseling sessions where I would just be like sweating. Oh my gosh, how do I manage this in the beginning? And now I can walk away from a session and be like, whoa, yeah, I feel a little bit of that in my pits, but I'm, I, I definitely was in it and I was using these tools while, and I was there. So I do feel it still ramps up after 25 years a little bit, but it's like a one or two versus an eight or nine on a scale of one to 10. And so I've learned not to fear it, that it's okay, that we all care. And how do we keep it relatively managed? So we can use that part of our brain that can actually have us be receptive and think clearly. I love it. I think you're normalizing the experience mm-hmm. here. The other person's probably feeling this way yes. oh, and connecting into what is happening here and how can I basically be a good parent to my body and have it relax and know that I'm here. You're not alone. And then shift to the curiosity, the listening and understanding. And can I, have- I stay, can I stay? Isn't it the other piece? Because depending who we are, right? Either we're going to 
fight or flee or freeze, of course. Those of us who are conflict avoidant, it's, oh, I'm just going to, no, I'm going to run out of here. This is super uncomfortable. Or we make a joke, deflect, all kinds of tools we use. Or we get aggressive or we freeze. So can we, again, come back to if we're really focused on the other person? What are they trying to let me know? What I'm trying to really understand, it takes some of that off of us. We talk a lot in the couples work we do about the magic question. And it actually works in business teams too. Like when people are stressed and going, instead of just continuing on, really taking the time, slowing it down, don't make a decision. Usually don't have to make a decision as fast as you think. Even in business, people think they're doing life or death things, but most right. of them not. They're only a that are. And asking the question, why is this so important to you? Maybe even asking myself, like, well, I get really stressed out. I'm, I might be more of the type that what's the fight. And it's if I just stop and ask, like, why are you fighting? Like, why is this so important to you? It helps me settle. And then it definitely helps me get more interested in, obviously, it's important to them because we're going right up against each other. So why is it so important to them? And often that's like, we found that to be a great way to help people understand themselves, but also get curious about the other person. Yeah, it drops right into our values almost, right? Yeah, of, yes. of kind of what do I really value? And Marshall Rosenberg's work, which I'm forgetting the nonviolent communication, nonviolent of kind of what what is that universal need of the other person? What is What are they really needing? What am I really needing? And I know for me, I really resonate with, can I stay? Can I breathe the breathing? And I feel my feet in my seat and even scooch back because, you know, I'm like, I don't know wait a minute, I I can just lean back in my chair, which gives me more agency. Like I have a choice here to stay and then find what is happening rather than just escaping. (laughs) Where am I in all this? What do I think? Depending on who we're in conflict with and how safe it is, we can also just name it. I'm feeling really triggered, overwhelmed, stressed, angry, avoidant, whatever right now. And so that can really, people can hear that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important if you do decide to step in and be more vulnerable. Don't make it like we're all getting defensive here, but actually <laughs> saying, I know I'm feeling defensive and I'm uncomfortable. And that can such yeah. a can begin to normalize that it's okay to be vulnerable. Because I do think our culture has, and we talk about this sometimes, violence attached to anger. And often people, and they are not the same thing. And it actually helps if you can be in a space where someone may be raising them. Chris Marie grew up with an angry colonel. She would be violent. And I I can speak very passionately to her about something, even something I'm excited about. And I could see like she triggers that old response. And I think it's been helpful over the years. Wait a minute. And know the difference between what I'm not, maybe you need more space. Maybe you need more space. This is not a moment where violence is happening. And I often spend time with people trying to help them Just because somebody has a strong, sharp voice, check, are you safe? What do you need to be safe? Because it may not be that they have to stop whatever they're doing. You just may need a little more room. But that separation may help you be able to show up and be present and give that, say something that would be helpful versus just go into the reaction. Because I think it it used to be, you know, you have to change for me to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to calm down or talk differently, which is really quite controlling. (laughs) But I do think there is some meeting in the middle of this, right? It's can you bring your tone down because even your tone triggers my anxiety Mm -hmm. and I will work on recognizing that is what's happening and working on managing that. So it's, yeah. 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 It's very different. If Chris Marie says to me, I'm uncomfortable, 
I get interested in that. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. But if she says you're angry and it's just not, you got to not, you got to calm her. I don't really have the same curiosity. That's right. That's right. And those things happen. And I totally agree when we can actually give each person some room and understand what's going on for you, then I have a little different response to, and so do you. So, yeah. Shonda, so do you have breed, becoming balance, anything else that you want to get little tidbits before we move into closing for our listeners about how you work with women, busy women? I think it, like like I mentioned, it's two pronged. So if you can get up in the morning, check in with yourself, get your temperature for the day. And the more we do it, the more we can recognize what am I needing today? What am I craving in this moment? Is it a rest kind of day? Like, how do I bring myself a little bit more toward balance? And when I, let me just back up to say, when I talk about balance, some people will say there's no such thing. That's BS. It's impossible. But I define it as a gentle, ongoing recalibration of our priorities over time. So it is not this perfect state that we reach, that we ever get to, and then we stay in there. That is obviously not true. It's the best we can getting back to a little bit more of homeostasis in whatever we're talking about in our lives. So these little incremental micro action steps we can take, but we want to be intentional about it because if we're not, if we're not aware, if we're not waking up and checking in with ourselves, we're throwing spaghetti at the wall, we're putting out all the fires that come our way, we're just reacting. It's not intentional. So as best we can throughout the day, we're checking in, we're using these mindful breaks to calm ourselves down a little bit, but it's also awareness. And then what's needed next to get me a little bit more in toward balance. And so sometimes in our lives or days that will be, I need to rest, whatever that looks like for us. And some days it's, I'm bored with life right now. Like I need something energizing, whether it's play or a project, or I need to connect with someone or I need to give back. So it's these gentle shifts and ongoing recalibrations over time that will just help us. And I see that sort of this upward spiral of growth is what I call it, that some days we need a breathe break, a becoming break, a balance break. But if we keep using those, we will grow upward Yeah, as we go along. You're increasing, you're helping people increase their capacity, manage themselves, work with mm-hmm. their own. I have to say, you remind me of Ted Lasso. <laughs> so, well, thank it, you. No. I know. <laughs> and then last, one of the newer latest episodes, Trent, who's the reporter who's with them, is saying, oh my gosh, Ted, you do all these, it's not the, it's not the plays. You've been doing this for three years, which is these invisible little things that create mm-hmm. trust and support. Yeah. Yes. And even asking the question, what's needed here? He has the team. And so the team joins in and does good things. So you're helping people become more like Ted Lasso. Oh, that's Lasso. Awesome. Thank you for that. I love that show. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> now, Shonda, how can people find out more about you, connect to you, learn about your work? Sure. I'm at shondamorales.net and that's S-H-O-N-D-A-M-O-R-A-L-I-S.net. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and I love to connect with people and say hello. And you can check out my books. I have courses for moms and I do speaking engagements as well. Excellent. You've been delightful. And we certainly, I love your little mini, Yes. you know, how to make small, big changes over time. It's great, great. to be with you. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. If you want to take some of what you've learned on today's episode to the next level, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. Go to www.thriveinc.com forward slash team kit to learn more. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T.